from the beautiful and palatial UltimateSportsTalk.com radio studios. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Ultimate Sports Talk show, the postmortem for Ohio State basketball for the 2013-14 season. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along this evening. And boy, have we got a power-packed show for you here this evening. We're going to be talking to two great guests here tonight. Starting off in just a little bit with Lindsey Patterson from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And then later on in the show in the second half hour, we're going to be talking with Harrison Malkin, who happens to be a high schooler and college basketball insider for the Big East Coast bias for SB Nation. And he also was one of uh, the high schoolers that got to cover the Big East Tournament in New York City last weekend. But this week, the NCAA Tournament has begun. And joining us alongside tonight for tonight's show is Greg Mitchell, the owner and also producer of tonight's show. Greg, glad to have you along tonight. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for allowing me to come on tonight. I'm excited about the guests well, that you've got on. <laughs> they are going to be some good guests here tonight. And today, as I said, Greg, was day one of the NCAA basketball tournament, and Ohio State is history. I think you asked a good question, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Who would have thought at the beginning of the day that of all the Ohio schools that were in the tournament to begin at the noon hour, that Dayton would be the only one left? But that's the way it is as we go into tonight's action. What was the committee thinking earlier this week with some of their seeds? The Ohio State High School Basketball Tournament is going on. We're going to take a look at that. Phil Jackson and the New York Knicks. Is it a good marriage? The NFL is looking into some new rules. All that plus more on tonight's Ultimate Sports Talk Show. But first, well, in case you missed it, Cincinnati Reds closer Araldus Chapman was struck in the face with a line drive off the bat of Royals catcher Salvador Perez in a Wednesday night Cactus League game and needed to be carted off the field. Chapman suffered a fracture above his left eye after he was hit in the sixth inning. Well, Marty Brenneman, of course, the longtime announcer for the Cincinnati Reds, described the play. And a kid that had a great year last year for this. Oh, oh yes. Line drive hits Chapman in the face. A line drive back through the middle, and Chapman is down. Oh, boy. Paul Lassard, the trainer, out. Tomas Vera, the assistant trainer, racing out. Brian Price, members of his coaching staff, the players all crowded around the mound, and Salvador Perez is beside himself over at first base. In fact, he's now slowly walking in toward the mound. It was it was an absolute line drive. It's hard to say where it got him, but it certainly got him somewhere in the face. And he is still down at the base of the mound. The ball ricocheted all the way over to the Kansas City third base dugout. Not sure how many people actually got a chance to see that play. I don't know if it was a chance or not, but whatever. Uh, Chapman is going to be out for about six to eight weeks. Brian Price, the Reds manager, said after last night's game that Chapman never did lose consciousness but he was carted off the field on a stretcher and transported to Banner Dell E. Webb Medical Center 
in Sun City, Arizona, where tests indicated the fractures above his left eye and nose. Greg, not a devastating injury for the Reds, considering that it happened at the beginning of the year, but now it puts a lot of pressure on Jonathan Broxton to take over that closer's role for at least the first month of the season. Yeah, and you know, I, I think this not, this does two things. This does one thing important for the Reds. It gets to continue to evaluate Jonathan Broxton. They already gave him the huge contract, well, huge in, in terms of Cincinnati, I guess. Uh, you know, and they've continued to try to evaluate whether or not to put a role of this Chapman in that starting rotation. So I think this gives you another method to, to truly evaluate the strength of the bullpen while they, you know, potentially could at some point move Chapman into that starting rotation. Probably not this year. I think they've already come out and made that very clear. But down the road, you know, who knows what could happen with that rotation with, you know, the likes of Latos and Cueto. Uh, you know, potentially not being a you know a part of the Reds organization in the coming years. So we'll see We're what happens there. But I think the second thing that it also does is it continues to bring up the argument about what can we do as a major league baseball league to to protect our star pitchers. Uh, that was a big issue last year and the year before, and now I think this just continues to bring this issue as a as a main focus for the league. Well, I know a lot of people don't remember, but Herb's score was hit virtually the same way that Chapman was hit last night, and his career was never the same after that. He was a very promising left-handed pitcher for the Indians back in the 50s, and then he became their announcer for almost 40 years. But it was because of a line drive off of his eye that really ended his career. But we'll talk more with Lindsey Patterson from ESPN 1530 coming up with that in just a little bit. But the basketball tournament is going on now. Basketball season is over for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and it ended in a very disappointing way just to end a disappointing second half of the season for Ohio State. And it really was a disappointing second half of the season. I'm going to go back to the Michigan game last week. I saw in that game against Michigan no enthusiasm, no urgency. They were dependent on craft too totally for uh, a basketball team. that They depend too much on Aaron Kraft to produce everything for them, and he cannot produce things. For a kid that spends all the time that he professes to spend in the gym, he has got the worst jump shot. This kid can't throw a ball into the Atlantic Ocean off of a cruise liner. Uh, He just cannot shoot. I have never seen a worse form of a shooter in my life, especially out of a college athlete. He is just absolutely pathetic as a shooter. I don't know how he's going to make it in the NBA. A lot of people think that he will make it in the NBA. I don't think he will. But it also brings to light another problem that Ohio State has. And that's not scheduling other Ohio schools, such as Dayton, Xavier, Cincinnati, some of the Mid-American Conference schools. That's Thad Mata's idea. Mata thinks that it hurts recruiting for Ohio State, and they're in a no-win situation. 
such as Vern Lundquist was really talking about today on the broadcast on CBS, saying that this game for Ohio State is a no-win situation for them because if they beat Dayton, they were expected to. If they lose to Dayton, it's a big problem. Well, now it's a big problem. Now Thad Mata's got to sit back and explain how this team lost to Dayton. And it's about time that Ohio State start playing these other state schools, like Xavier, like Cincinnati. I understand the Cincinnati situation mainly because of how things went down between them years ago when Ohio State was put on probation. That part I kind of get. But as far as not playing other Ohio schools, Gene Smith, as the athletic director, has got to stand up to his basketball coach and say, hey, look, we're going to start scheduling these schools, and if you don't like it, find another job. Because Thad Mata, to be honest with you, has not done any recruiting for Ohio State since the 2006-2007 season when Mike Conley was the point guard and Greg Oden was the center, and they had Daquan Cook for one year. And again, they went into this game this afternoon, and I was glad to see Dayton win. I really was, Greg. I was glad to see Dayton win. They won on V. Sanford's shot with four seconds to go. And then, just like the Michigan game, Aaron Kraft, who, again, can't throw the ball in the Atlantic Ocean if he was on a cruise liner, decides that he not only has to take the final shot against Michigan and loses it on the way up, but then decides that he's got to take the final shot against Dayton also and misses the final shot. Ohio State in this game, Greg, they were outplayed. They were outcoached. They were out-scheduled. They were out-game-planned. Any way you look at it, they were outed in this ball game. The Flyers played with purpose, urgency, and pride. And Ohio State played with none of the above. Matter of fact, just look what Thad Mata did with his big men. He let Dayton dictate who he was going to play in this game, Greg. Amir Williams didn't play a second in the second half. Not one second. Neither did McCutcheon. He didn't play in the second half either. It was ridiculous. Archie Miller of Dayton, who is a disciple of Thad Mata, really, thought, uh, really taught Mata some things about basketball in this game. Sam Thompson for Ohio State. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this kid to finally come through. Well, in the last few games, he did. He finished this, this ball game with 18 points. Kraft added 16, but really, they were garbage points for for Kraft. Dayton, they're 4-6 and six all time against Ohio State. They're advancing to play Syracuse, who many thought Ohio State would be playing and thought it might be an entertaining game and an ugly game because of Syracuse's zone. But when you look at this Ohio State team, Greg, they beat Notre Dame in December, coming back from eight points down at Madison Square Garden with one minute to go and won the game, and they have had no fight, no fight, no battle instincts, no killer instinct since that game. Matter of fact, Ohio State started the season 15-0 and and were number three in the country. And in their next 20 games, Greg, they went 10-10 and to finish 25-10. and That is not 
Ohio State basketball. And I think Thad Mata's got to look at himself in the mirror, especially tomorrow morning, and say, what can I do to improve this program? Because even though he's been to a championship game and a Final Four, hey, his job can be on the line just like anyone else's. And I'm not convinced Thad Mata is all that. Any thoughts? Well, you know, I think you're absolutely right. There's a, there's a lot there to take a look at, and I just question whether or not the Ohio State athletic director needs to take a hard look and, and ask the question, is that motto the right fit at this point? I know he was when, uh, when they first uh, hired him back several years ago, but, uh, you know, maybe they need to, to take a quick look and see if, if leadership really what sent them in the downward spiral, and I think it starts from the coaching all the way down. Uh, this this wasn't this was a total failure on all levels, just as just as you had mentioned, and it started 20 games ago. Uh, it wasn't something that just all of a sudden hit in the NCAA tournament, but this is truly the black eye on the program, and they need to reevaluate and see what do they really need to do to to move this program forward. And maybe it, maybe it means Chad Mott is not the answer, and they need to look outside. Well, and it gives us an opportunity to talk Ohio State basketball and Cincinnati basketball and Dayton basketball with someone who's a lot closer to the situation than I am up here in northern Ohio. Let's move down to Cincinnati and go to ESPN 1530 and Lindsay Patterson. She's a producer for Mo Egger and uh, Lance McAllister and also has a blog at ESPN 1530. Lindsay, thanks for joining us tonight on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're great. Yeah, great. Except great. for Ohio State. <laughs> I guess we're doing okay in Cincinnati right now. I should take that back right now. It's been a it's been a bad couple days here, so we're, I guess That's we're true. a little bit better right now. That's true. Lindsay, I want to start off before we get into the tournament. Uh, we've got to ask you about Araldus Chapman. Is there anything new other than he'll be out for six to eight weeks? Anything new on that story? Uh, no, I know that he's um, he was in the OR probably about an hour ago, and uh, they were doing the operation. But just like Kramchak said earlier today, it'll be a six to eight week, um, you know, coming coming back from, you know, a surgery like that um, would be six to eight weeks. As far as like him on the mound, could be longer. They're not really sure that time frame yet. Um, again, if we were bringing it up earlier today, you know, you get hit in the face with a with a fastball with a you know 80 mile per hour pitch that you just threw. Mentally, it's hard to get back on the mound. So even after you know he's fine and all healed up and ready to go, it, you still gotta deal with that. And I don't know if that's gonna be a problem for Oldis Chapman, but that's something that's in my mind, and I'm sure in a lot of people's minds. You know, your first time back out on the mound after that so it might be a little bit of a long road to recovery but you know he's going to be out there this season um you know hopefully we see him sooner than later you know Lindsay, it seems to be happening a lot more lately where pitchers are hit with line drives off the bat do you think baseball will finally now take a, a long hard look at doing something to help protect the pitchers on the mound oh they've been doing that um you know nobody's wearing helmets yet but it's you know, Brandon McCarthy happened about two years ago, maybe like a September game, and he was shut down for the A's after that. Um, it was the end of their season. They had a little bit of postseason to go, but um, he took one right to the head, and that was scary. You know, it's always scary when, when you see that in baseball. You know, things like that can happen. Uh, you see it in Little League. You see it in high school and college. 
But again, when, when you see something like that happen so fast that you can't get out of the way, um, you know, I think Major League Baseball is doing their best to, to make the sport safe. I mean, they're making all kinds of different changes with the instant replay, um, just trying to, to change the game to make it a little 2014-ish. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, more protective gear and, and, you know, they're working on new things in the next, you know, two to three years. Um, I could see that definitely happening. Well, that was the story for last night. The story today, of course, uh, was Ohio State tipping off against Dayton. Let's start with that game before we get into the Harvard-Cincinnati game. Were you surprised at all that Dayton came in and played what I thought was with purpose against Ohio State, and Ohio State just went through the motions? No, I mean, this year with Ohio State, you didn't know what you were going to get. We almost compared UC to what Ohio, what we thought Ohio State was going to be this year. Um, you just didn't know what you were going to get as the season was going on. And, and what they did in the tournament, you know, they'd be down and they'd come back. And I'm like, oh, you know, Ohio State will still come back and win this game. even though it was a close game. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. I feel like Aaron Kraft has been playing there for 17 years. Um, a great athlete. I feel bad for him. Um, his fan base can be pretty hard on him after a game, and it's like he's he's an amazing all-around player. And uh, not watch him anymore. You know that that's kind of that's kind of tough. I'll miss I'll miss watching that. But uh, not surprised at all with what UD's done. Archie Miller, um, he'll he'll land. So he'll be getting another job soon. You know, unfortunately for Dayton, because he's been such a great coach, he you know he has to be on the radar of a lot of ADs now what he's been able to do at Dayton and, you know, just short, not, not a lot of time, um, just like his brother, you know, when Sean Miller was with Xavier. Uh, that last game helped him a little bit. But, uh, but no, Dayton, I think they had three losses um, it, since January, and it was against, uh, like, I think two or three of them St. Joe's, you know, counting the tournament. Um, so I, I think Dayton's a, a really fun team to watch. I wasn't surprised when you saw, when I saw it on the bracket to say, you know what, that team could upset, upset Ohio State, but I almost wouldn't call it an upset. You know, again, it wasn't the greatest season by Ohio State. So for Dayton to go out there and play, play their butts off, um, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, I think Dayton uh, matches up better with Syracuse on the Saturday afternoon game than Ohio State would have. What do you think? No, I agree with that. And, you know, I was watching a little bit of the post-game shows after the game today, and a lot of people were agreeing with that. They're saying, you know, Dayton had the better shot of beating Syracuse. Um, so I'm really interested in watching that matchup. Uh, Dayton's just one of those teams, you know, you, they're kind of off the radar when you think of the Ohio schools. You, you think, yeah, UD, maybe, but but not really. A lot of people were saying that UD was going to play Xavier in the playing game, which – some people would say well, that wasn't fair because they'd be playing on their home court, um, but NCAA said that they would approve it and everything would be fine. I, I was expecting that. I thought they'd play in the playing game against Xavier or just anybody to, to be able to take on Ohio State and, and win that game and, and move on to the, I guess, quote, third round of the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I'm actually really excited about that matchup. Lindsey Patterson from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati is our guest here this evening on Ultimate Sports Talk. Lindsey, the Cincinnati game. Cincinnati all year has, as I termed it, out-athletic teams, and they ran up against a team here this afternoon, maybe because they're Harvard, maybe because they were uh, just maybe a little bit smarter. I don't want to really use that as a slam. (laughs) But, I mean, the fact is, yeah, I mean, they they actually played the way that they can play the game. Harvard did under Tommy Emmerker, and 
and they ended up beating a Cincinnati team, and it wasn't a good matchup for the Bearcats. Not at all. I mean, you could say that Harvard had to start to finish. Um, they weren't going to lose that game. You know, at some point I thought UT would get back into it, but really we we got what we, we saw from UCL season with their offense. I mean, they can put the ball in the basket. And SK, Sean Kilpatrick, for him to be your guy pretty much all season, if you look back on it, he was the reason they were in a lot of games. You know, he was the reason that that team was, was rolling for a little while. Um, he didn't score, I, I don't even think he was at the free throw line for almost like 13 minutes. I mean, that can't happen. That can't happen. He can't, you know, be shut out. And he was. And that hurt him. And the team, their best shot is a missed shot, unfortunately, because, you know, normally they do rebound. Their defense is, that their defense, defense is what's kept them in a lot of games. But, you know, proof today that that doesn't win games all the time if your, if your offense can't score. And um, everyone knew, you know, Harvard can put points up, and if they can't stop them and they couldn't, you know, bounce back and do the same, then, you know, UC didn't have a shot. And, unfortunately, we we got what we've, we've seen a lot from uh, this UC team this season. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that they're done already, but, uh, you know, you, you got to play better basketball. And, you know, I'm sure that UC will miss those seniors. Um, it's a good thing that some of the freshmen did get off the bench a lot this year, so they got a little bit of experience. But, uh yeah, it's tough. It's tough to lose in that uh, that first second round game. I always hate that, but it's 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 unfortunate. Mm-hmm. L- Lindsay, I know you do some reporting for Xavier, and North Carolina State just tipped off here against St. Louis. I thought Xavier was a pretty good ball club this year, and I really didn't think that highly of North Carolina State. But really, North Carolina State played one of their better games. I thought against Xavier. What what did you think of the Tuesday night matchup? Yeah, it looked like Xavier didn't want to be there. Um, you know, this season, before the season started, Xavier, of course, was going into the Big East, so you didn't know what to expect. Not a lot of expectations, uh, losing as well, um, with that incident, and kind of like, uh, what's this team really going to do, depending on Samaje Christian, because Samaje Christian last year had a little bit of issues with cramps. He'd be in and out of a game. You never got a real full game out of him for for just, you know, issues like that. Um, to get what you, you did, I mean, he was big, biggest player. He was, he was one of the biggest players of the week, like every week. He was fun to watch. Um, Stainbrook was really big down low. This team was a lot of fun. Um, they had the unfortunate loss to Georgetown where they did lose by like 20 points, but they played Creighton three times this season, one, or lost twice and won once. And those games were probably my three favorite college basketball games of the season in Cincinnati. Um, it just showed, you know, they can play with the big guys. They they do deserve to be playing. And, and I thought, you know what, we'll see them in the Big East matchup. And you, you got the chance to see that the other night when they played Creighton and, uh, you know, unfortunately lost. But they, they've they been a fun team. Again, they're just a big question mark. You don't know what you're going to get. But I didn't expect them to be playing in the play-in game. I know that UD, you know, a lot of people aren't big Xavier fans in Dayton. But kind of having that home court advantage. Um, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. And uh, that was kind of tough because I was kind of rooting for them too this season. And it was – they, they didn't – they, they didn't deserve to move on. You know, NC State did all the way. T.J. Warren, um, one of the most, I feel like, under underrated players. You don't really hear enough about mm-hmm. him. Um, they put Samaje Christian on him the other night, you know, thinking, oh, this will help. This will slow him down a little bit. He scored eight straight points. I mean, he, he's a great ball player, and he's fun to watch too. So – you know, you got you got to want to play. It's it's a big dance, you know. And not a lot of teams get in. Well, I would say not a lot of teams get in, but it's kind of expanded now. So a lot of teams do get in. But if you want to keep playing, you know, show show that you want to be out there. And 
unfortunately UC and uh, Xavier didn't want to move on. <laughs> Were you as concerned, confused, I guess is the word. Were you as confused with some of the seedings that went on in this year's tournament like everyone else? You know, I Wichita State, um, I know a lot of people were, they were kind of upset about the one seed, but they did everything they were supposed to do in their regular season, so you really can't complain about that. Um, there was the Louisville, of course, um, you know, I was a little surprised with that. I know their coach was picking them, like, oh, they're going to get a one or two, and, and you know, they dropped pretty far, and I was really surprised with that seeding. Um, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be fun in the tournament. I'm excited to watch them. Um, but I guess that was my biggest one. I mean, I think that would be a lot of, you know, if you were, were to ask a lot of people, they're like, Louisville, oh, my gosh, Forcey, that's so crazy. Um, but I think a lot of it had to do with their conference. Um, you know, good for them. They're only – this is their last season in it. But um, a lot of – the American Athletic Conference isn't really one of those popular conferences that the board is looking at and saying, you know what, they they played a tough schedule this year. And, um, you know, Louisville got hot later on in the season, and I think – you know, they kind of missed that. I, I feel like it wasn't – it got overlooked. So I guess I was really surprised with that. What What about uh, your your brackets? Who do you have in the final four? You know what? I'm going to have to – I don't have my bracket in front of me because I had – I filled out like three, three to four different ones. I know that sounds you did You didn't um, enter the Quicken Loans bracket? I, I think I had Arizona. Um, I had Ohio State. I had Michigan State. Um and I'm drawing a blank right now. Maybe Kentucky. Um, and I, I thought it like three or four. I know you, I know that's like cheating. You're not really allowed to do that. But you know, I kind of wanted to get. I wanted to like get one right. And no, I didn't fill out the billion dollar bracket because there was no chance that was going to happen. So I was like, I'll just, I'll just do some fun ones that work. And I saw like three or four of them out with different groups. And I think they're well, all done. I mean, I think they're all pretty much. Like, I, I looked at the Quick and Loans bracket, uh, Lindsay. As being yeah. like dumb and dumber. You mean there's a chance? Yeah. Yeah. They and, said, and that's I the way I looked at it. I shot of getting stuck by lightning like four times. So, I don't know. <laughs> you, what would you, you... Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, well, you have seen Doug McDermott of Creighton play. Oh, yeah. Tell me, what is he the player of the year, and what are his chances of going pro? Oh, my gosh. I, I would think. I mean, all year we've been talking. I feel like midway through the season, he had a bobblehead. <laughs> Midway through the season, everyone's like, this is the guy who's going to be player of the year, and, and he has to be. Even those games when Xavier would play them and it was a close game, he's still putting up 30 points a game. I mean, he is just, he's fun to watch. He's hard to shut down. Um, you might be able to beat Creighton, but uh, you can't stop that guy. And I, I, I'm actually excited. I want to see him in a pro level. I know that he really kind of put Creighton on the map, I would think, you know, a couple years ago. You couldn't name where Creighton was. I couldn't. I could tell you that right now. Um, but he's definitely done a great job there. You know, playing for his dad too. That's kind of. I'm sure that's kind of fun too. Yeah, I love the guy. I, I'm hoping that somehow, some way, the Cavaliers are able to finagle him and get him in the lineup next <laughs> I'm year. Sure. I'm sure you are. He can definitely score points for you. Yeah that that would that would be great. We're talking with Lindsey Patterson of. ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Lindsay, just a couple more questions I want to ask you. Uh, away from the tournament, the Browns just signed Andrew Hawkins away from the Bengals. What is Hawkins going to bring to the field for the Cleveland Browns? Well, besides a positive attitude and a really fun guy in the locker room to interview, um, what he brings is something a little bit different. Um, you look at the Bengals receivers right now. You have Marvin Jones and A.J. Green. You're one and you're two. There's a Mohamed Sanu. 
Um, the tight end, I guess the Bengals are trying to do the tight, two tight end setup with Tyler Eifert and Jermaine Gresham, Giovanni Bernard and Ben Jarvis are running back. So there's a lot of offensive weapons. Um, I guess I wasn't too upset with the Bengals not wanting to match that offer. That was a little too much for them to bring another guy back that would be like their fourth or fifth. Um, I can see what the Browns are doing. That made sense. Um, Andrew Hawkins, though, if you use him right, and I felt like he wasn't used right in Cincinnati, and, you know, a lot of people can blame Jake Gruden for that, a different style of offense. Um, when you see Andrew Hawkins, you think slot receiver. You know, your tiny guy, maybe a kick returner at times. Um, he never got the chance to do that in Cincinnati. I don't, I don't feel like he did. Um, he only had really one true season here. Uh, last year he was injured for eight games. Um, the year before he was on the practice squad, then they moved him up. So that one year that we got to watch him, it's unfortunate because I really enjoyed watching him. Um, but he's your, I mean, just down the field, big play guy when you need him. And he's not, he's not on the field, you know, all, all game, but you know, you need two or three special plays out of him. Andrew Hawkins speed is like no other. Um, I remember, I guess one thing that stood out from last season, only because he was injured most of the season, um, the Bengals were playing in San Diego on the road and just makes this huge catch for 50. I mean, he gets 50 yards on it after Andy Dalton throws it to him. So, I mean, that was just, he was fun to watch. I'm actually, I'm rooting for him um, in Cleveland. I can't wait to watch him with a new quarterback in a different system, um, a different offensive coordinator. Hopefully he gets used in that slot position. Um, You know, the Browns are definitely adding to their weapons too. So I'm kind of, you know, interested to see that offense. I don't want it to be that great. But I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> well, one thing about it, you didn't you, you with the money that you saved from not matching Hawkins' contract, you got Jason Campbell. Yeah, you know I'm really excited about that. No, no, you know what, Jason Campbell. Um, you, no, I know in Cincinnati they are uh, they're they're loving it or hating it. Um, that's just the way it is right now. But you know Jason Campbell though, if you think about a guy going into a game, um. You look, I guess you look around the roster in the NFL and think of backups and think of would I want this guy to go into a game? You know, if my quarterback went down, mm-hmm. even if you really don't like your quarterback like it is in Cincinnati, unfortunately, um, I look at Jason Campbell and I say, I w- I'm fine with him going into a game. I feel like he can pick an offense up early. You know, he had that, he had a, you know, a nice little stretch with the Browns when Hoyer went down and they, you know, the Wheaton, you know, project didn't work again. Um, but, and then he, he comes to Cincinnati and has a horrible game. So I guess that's all in our head right now. But, uh, he, uh, he's somebody who I would want to go into the game. And I, if Andy needs her to go out for a couple plays or, you know, I hope he doesn't get injured, but if he were to get injured, would I feel okay with a quarterback coming in? And I do with Jason Campbell. And again, look around the league. There's not a lot of guys backing up, you know, your star quarterbacks that you would feel that way. So, well, you know, I can I'm, say I'm, this. I'm interested to see how he does. The only thing I was surprised at, Lindsay, was the fact that Whedon and Campbell were cut at the same time, and Whedon got a job before Campbell did. That shocked me. Yeah, you know, that's so funny, because I, I, you never know what to believe. I guess they said the Bengals and the Ravens reached out to Whedon, uh, but of course, that could have been his agent saying, hey, I'm free if you need me. Um, he's getting paid like nothing. It's like 1.25, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. not, not a lot to go to Dallas and back up Tony Romo, so... Um, yeah, I was a little surprised that he landed a job. When I saw that, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, really? Brandon Whedon's already, you know, on a roster? <laughs> um, but, no, for Jason Campbell, he has that history with Hugh Jackson. Um, it was kind of funny. I was joking with somebody last night. I'm like, it all comes full circle because Jason Campbell goes down with the Raiders. Hugh calls Mike Brown and convinces him to trade Carson Palmer. 
Carson Palmer goes to the Raiders, and now Hughes back in Cincinnati. Carson left the Raiders, went to Arizona, and now Jason Campbell is back with you. So yep, it's kind of there it a little crazy of a mess, but I guess we have Jason Campbell to think to thank. Maybe I don't know. They haven't had a playoff line since since then either. So, but uh, you know, again, I, I'm I think I'm just ready for the season to start after uh, falling to San Diego pretty hard at home. Uh, I'm just, I, you know, I guess I'm more ready for the draft. <laughs> there you go. Lin- a lot of people are getting upset with the free agency in Cincinnati. So maybe you think draft some guys. Lindsay, tell us your Twitter address. How can people follow you on Twitter? Um, I tweet a lot. So if you want to follow me, it's um, L-I-N-D-Z Patterson on Twitter. Okay, great. Hey, appreciate the time that you've given us here this evening. Really do. Uh, you know, we, we've had Mo and Lance on our Monday night show, Ohio Baseball Weekly, and they're both great guys. Uh, tell them we yeah, said great. hello, and I, I really don't know how in the world uh, you make them sound so good. Oh, I know. They, they, they should uh, pay me a little more, huh? No, um, they're they both should. great guys. They're, they're great guys. But thanks, guys, for having me on. Thanks a lot, so Lindsay. Thanks say, for joining us. Before, before we let you go, I'm sorry to cut in. This is Greg Mitchell. I wanna I wanna say thank you but I, I'm really impressed. Uh, you know, I think us in Cincinnati we're lucky enough to, to kinda of see you, Lindsay, grow up, uh, I guess so to speak, in the media realm. And uh over the last few years I've been really impressed with, with how how much you continue to try to expand and, and get these different opportunities that you have been and, and I think we're we're you know, seeing one of the great media presences from you know, in sports today, growing up here in Cincinnati. So I'm really pleased that uh, that you continue to get new opportunities. And, and thank you so much for coming on. This was great. I, I feel like now we've had Mo, we've had Lance, we've had Lindsey Patterson. We've we've hit the trifecta. So this was, this well, was great. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, that was way too nice, and I, I really appreciate it. But I definitely think I'm definitely third. Really low on that list. Uh, Mo and Lance are definitely <laughs> up there. And I'm just kind of sitting really low at three. But, uh, guys, I really appreciate it. And if um, you ever need them on or want me to jump on again um, to talk your ear off, I'll jump back on. Thanks a lot, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Lindsay Patterson no from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. You can read her blog at ESPN1530.com. And, again, her Twitter address is at Linz, L-I-N-D-Z, Patterson, so you can uh, catch her there. Greg, I'll tell you what, she was an outstanding guest and and really gave uh, Ohio State uh, probably a little more credit than, than I would have. I think Dayton just had an outstanding game plan this afternoon and really made Ohio State look sick. Yeah, well, you know, it just echoes what we've what we've already talked about. You know, I think Dayton came in. You know, the the parts that I really like is that Lindsay uh, Lindsay really expounded upon, um, you know, how how prepared Dayton was to come into this game, and that it was more than just, uh, you know, more than just a game plan. They truly came out with the will to win, the will and desire, and the fire to to win and be successful. And that that truly really showed. That that showed all across the game today. So it was it was great to have that uh, professional you know, uh, mentality with Lindsey Patterson coming in and, and supporting what we've already talked about. Well, other than the Ohio State game this afternoon and the Cincinnati-Harvard game, which, by the way, the final score in that one was 61-57. to 
Harvard beating Cincinnati. Let's go over the scores from the uh, rest of the games this afternoon. Uh, it was Wisconsin just blowing away American, 75-35. to 35. It was Pittsburgh having an easy time with Colorado, 77-48. And then in the, afternoon, the later afternoon games, it was Syracuse beating Western Michigan, 77-53. Oregon took care of BYU, 87-68. Florida over Albany by a score of 67-55. And then Michigan... Just here a few minutes ago, beat up on Delaware, 98-70. to Now, the early games here this evening uh, in the first round, second round, I guess is what you would call it for the NCAA, it's UConn against St. Joseph's. Michigan is playing Wolford. St. Louis is taking on North Carolina State. And Oklahoma is playing North Dakota State. And then the later evening games, Villanova is taking on Milwaukee, Texas, Arizona State. Then Louisville plays Manhattan, and San Diego State will be playing New Mexico State. That's a look at the games for today. But, Greg, you found another guy to uh, talk to here this evening. You're really good at, at finding these people that are, are doing some great things, not only on the Internet, but also as part of the media. Harrison Malkin is a high schooler and a college basketball insider for Big East Coast Biased for SB Nation. And Harrison, I, I saw an article that he did uh, earlier this afternoon about being able to cover the Big East tournament last weekend. And I read that article, was very interested in it. And Harrison Malkin joins us here this evening. Harrison, how are you tonight? Glad to have you along tonight on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm doing very well. How about you? We're doing great. This is Dave Mitchell, and Greg Mitchell is alongside here tonight. And, you know, I know a little something, Harrison, about being the youngest at doing something. Uh, I was a young play-by-play -play announcer years and years ago for the Ohio State High School Basketball Tournament. But you got to go cover the Big East Tournament as a high schooler. Tell me, how in the world did you pull that off and, and tell us a little bit about that experience? Well, it was a really great experience. I joined Big East Coast Bias about a month ago, and I'm pretty close to New York City. My editor and some of the other writers aren't, so they they saw my coverage, they liked it, and he applied for me to have a press pass to cover the event, which was incredible. I met a lot of people Aaron Andrews, Luke Wynn of Sports Illustrated, and it was just a great experience overall. I think that's the best experience you can have hands-on instead of, of course, learning in the classroom, you're going to get the technical side of it, but when you're doing it, it's the best thing. It's unparalleled. Well, I noticed the first person that you mentioned that you got to meet was Aaron Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to point. I had to point that out. So you got to see all the teams in the Big East tournament, and we've talked about Creighton a lot. Tell me your thoughts about Doug McDermott. I think Doug is a fantastic player. I actually did an NBA draft profile of him earlier this season when he played Seton Hall, and I haven't seen anyone like him. He's a tremendous scorer, playmaker. Uh, I think it's fantastic, and he might have not might not have had his best game against Providence in the championship, but you can't deny this guy is a fantastic player. I was simply amazed. I've watched him play a lot over the last three years, but I was simply amazed in that game against Providence that no matter how far they pushed him out 
from the, the basket, he still was hitting shots. That's true, and they were playing their zone defense, which really worked against against uh, Creighton in that game. So let's take a look at the NCAA tournament. Let, what did you think about some of the things that happened here earlier this afternoon? I guess the biggest upset you'd have to term would be Ohio State losing to Dayton earlier today. What were your thoughts about what's gone on so far? I mean, I love the upset. Not great for most of the people's brackets unless they had that in there, but that was a really thrilling game today, Dayton and Ohio State, two Ohio teams. And I, know I was in school during that, but... It was a good game, and also Harvard beating Cincinnati. I didn't expect that. I mean, Dayton, I know some people that had that. They played well in the A-10 this year, but Harvard, I really didn't expect that game. What? Uh, how did you fill out your brackets? Who did you have in your final four? I had Louisville, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Florida. And who did you end up having to win the tournament? Well, I have Florida and Louisville going to the championship game, and then I have Florida winning it all. Boy, you and I are almost identical. I uh, I had Michigan State, Florida, and uh, Louisville in, but I've got Louisville beating Florida in the end. Why did you pick Florida? I picked Florida because they have some of the best offense and defense in the country, and they just played so consistently throughout the season, so... Uh, it's, it'll probably be a close one if that comes down to it, but I think Florida will have the edge in that game. Okay, when you looked at these regionals, Harrison Malkin is our guest tonight. When you looked at these regionals, Harrison, what did you see as being the toughest regional and why? I think the Midwest regional is the toughest. They have a lot of title contenders in Michigan, Duke, Wichita State, and Louisville, so there's some other regions that have been that are tough right now too. That, but I think the Midwest is really tough. Okay, and were you surprised at at the way some of these teams were seeded? Uh, some of the teams, maybe a, a lot of the A10 teams, were seeded kind of high. But I mean, you can't really argue with it because they they played well uh, in the regular season and also in conference. Like a UMass, that they were seated pretty high, but you can't deny them if they played that well in the regular season and in conference. They also had those out of conference wins, which are important. Harrison Malkin is our guest here this evening. Harrison is a high schooler and also the college basketball insider for the Big East Coast bias of SB Nation. Harrison, how did you get involved in writing? Well, I actually started interviewing athletes because I wanted to be a broadcaster. I still want to be a broadcaster. And I used to go to card shows. I still do go to card shows and autograph signings. And I started just, hey, uh, can I interview this athlete? Can I interview DeMarco Murray, Matthew Stafford? I saw these people, and I thought it was kind of a way for me to get in. And I really enjoyed that. It helped me with my public speaking and just getting more knowledgeable about the sport and the media world. And I got interested in writing this summer, and I started with some small sites, then I got to a bigger site, which is partnering with Yard Barker, and then recently Big East Coast Bias. I just really enjoy it, and definitely helping with my writing in school and in general. Just really, it's it's a good experience, and it's just I just like it a lot. So, Harrison, tell me this: when you went to your teachers and principal. 
and told them that you needed a couple days off from school in order to cover the Big East tournament, did they want to know if they could get tickets from you? <laughs> I don't think the teachers did, but definitely a lot of the students thought that I could somehow get them a ticket, even though it's a press pass, not a ticket. But they still they still wanted it, even though I told them it's not the same thing. <laughs> how were you? How were you accepted, Harrison? Not not so much by the players, but the coaches. How were you accepted? I think the coaches find it interesting. I'm not sure if they accept it completely, and I'm sure some of the like known journalists that are there, if they're not, if they don't take the time to say anything to me, then I can see if they could be offended. The writers, uh, not that not if I'm doing anything wrong, but because I'm just a kid, high schooler covering an event, and this is their living, and I'm just doing it, and they think it's like a hobby for me. So I can see how they would be offended, but. I just think if I'm being respectful, if I'm doing everything right, then there's no reason to to complain about it. I mean, no one has, but I would understand if someone thought, oh, I, like, what is he doing here? Because it's their job. I'm just doing it because I want to do it in the future like them. So. Mm-hmm. Did anybody actually take them, take you under their wing and help you out while you were there? Oh, there was some few, like Luke Wynn. He just said if I needed anything. He would be there. Uh, Sports Illustrated, his cover story is about Doug McDermott. It was on last week's Sports Illustrated cover. It was kind of like a retro Larry Bird issue with the two cheerleaders standing next to him. I don't know if you saw that, but... Mm-hmm. And there's some other guys, like John Fanta of Seton Hall. is a freshman there. He works on the radio station. He helped me out a lot. There's a lot of people. It's hard to name it, like a lot of people specifically, but Everyone was just really nice. Some guys at SB Nation that I met there for the first time. Everyone truly has been really great to me and trying to help me in my career, my young career. So what are your career goals then, Harrison? Where do you hope to go with this? I'm not exactly sure right now if I want to be a broadcaster, a reporter, a journalist, but... I definitely know I want to be in that field, and I'm trying to get as much experience, exposure, trying to soak up as much knowledge as possible, because I think that will help me in the future, whether I become a radio host like you or a broadcaster, play-by-play announcer, color commentator. I did take a camp in the summer that's play-by-play, but I'm not really sure right now. I want to have a variety of things that I'm interested in, maybe focus in on one thing in the future in college. Yeah, where do you plan on going to school? I'm not really sure yet. I'm a sophomore, so I have some time. I've only looked at Syracuse so far, but I got some time, so I'm not really sure yet. Well, Syracuse is a great broadcasting school, so you can't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully <laughs> I get in, and I'm not sure if that's my top school right now. Only school I've looked at, and I... I liked it, but we'll see the other schools soon. Harrison, do you follow pro basketball as much as you do college? Not as much. I do like pro basketball, but I don't think I like it as much as college basketball. Not as exciting to me. I like the whole college scene and atmosphere of it. Yeah, yeah. How do, one final question, Harrison. How do your parents feel about what you're doing and, and you being able to, to go to the, the Big East tournament? 
Oh, they're very supportive. Like I said in the article, like my parents, uh, they were home from work at, right after the Biggie store, and this was on a Friday night, and my mom works all day, and she didn't mind that I stayed uh, for a long time, so I really appreciated that. I could have left at like 9 o'clock, but I was able to stay late and finish my article, finish my interview. They take me everywhere I want to go to do an interview or to do anything. Very supportive, and I really appreciate it. So they've been great for the, through uh, everything I've been doing and definitely will be throughout the rest of whatever I'm doing in the future. Well, that's great. We're going to keep an eye on your articles and keep an eye on your career. And Hey, thanks for joining us here tonight on Ultimate Sports Talk. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and good luck in the future, Harrison. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Glad I was able to come on the show. Thanks. We are, too. And Harrison, this is this is Greg Mitchell. I, I want to just echo Dave's comment. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, I think we, we've tried to do what we can with this program to promote a lot of the young talent uh, in sports media. And we've had several youngsters like yourself come on the show. And I'm really, really impressed with the state of sports media today. I think, you know, so many young young people like yourself are having, you know, amazing opportunities like you've already had. And anything that we can do for you with UltimateSportsTalk.com to help promote what you're doing and, and kind of help continue to give you a boost, you just let me know anytime. And you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime as well. All right, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Any time that I'll be able to come, I'll definitely uh, hop on again. Uh, I had a great time. Thanks. All right, thank All right. you. Thanks. Harrison Thanks. Malkin, from college, he's the college basketball insider for Big East Coast Bias of SB Nation. You can also follow him on Twitter, and his Twitter address is at Harrison Sports 1. That's H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N Sports 1. Harrison Malkin, our guest here tonight on Ultimate Sports Talk. Greg, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think uh, the people that we've had on in the past and hopefully in the future, I think uh, the media is getting a little bit better. Of course, it, can go, it can't go anywhere but up from the type of media that we have today, and hopefully the, the youngsters are going to uh, carry it forward and, and it will grow into, into something that it has been in the past but isn't right now. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine, you know, this this kid, he's a, he's a kid in, in high school. He's a sophomore right now. And 10 years from now, he's not even going to be 30, and he's already going to be 10 years into potentially a, a sports media career. And that's, in, that's insane. He, he's just doing some really great things. Uh, you know, I'm excited that we get a chance to promote him. And, and like I said, great that he could come on. It just, you know, I wonder – how how much the the industry has changed with the uh with the continuing involvement with internet and and technology i mean you know to think years ago that someone that age would have that type of opportunity is just beyond me yeah it it's absolutely uh, the internet has really done some outstanding things for people i mean i wish i would have had it around when 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 I was younger, because there would have been a lot more opportunities. But nonetheless, I mean, things are continuing to expand. We're able to do this show. You're able to set up uh, different types of uh, websites and things. And the coverage, I think, is outstanding. But unfortunately, what it has done to the mainstream media 
is made them lazy, in my opinion, Greg, because they just go on the Internet and look up stories and start using blogs and material from blogs and put it under their own guise and and use that as their articles for the day and don't actually go out and pound the streets for a job or find sources that uh, can get them what it is they need to have to file a story. Yeah, you know what's funny about it is that you've got that on one end, but on the flip side, you know, several years ago, Bleacher Report was a blog. It started off as a blog website, and now today they're they're one of the major media networks on the internet today. They're breaking news stories on on a regular basis. So it's it's just interesting how the the industry is changing. It's it's very impressive. Yahoo Sports is the same way, Greg. They they started out the same way too, just like Bleacher Report. Yep, absolutely. Yep. You know, one of the reasons that I think it's a good idea that you're on the show tonight uh, is because let's switch gears here from the NCAA tournament to there are 13 proposed changes to rules that the NFL is going to vote on in May. And in the remaining time that we have, I want to go over the Ohio State High School basketball tournament here in just a few minutes also. But in the remaining time that we have, I want to go over some of these rules that they're looking at, Greg, and kind of get a short opinion from you on each and every one. Um, First things first, they're looking to move the kickoffs to the 40-yard line from the 35 where it is now. It used to be the 40. They moved it to the 30, moved it to the 35. Now they want to put it back to the 40 again. Yeah, you know, I think at this point, if they really want to try to try to change the game, they need to just start putting the, the kickoff and, and giving uh, giving teams points if the kicker can kick it through the upright during the kickoff. Because that's that's what we're getting to anymore is everybody's booting it through the end zone. Nobody wants to no, nobody wants to allow a, a uh, stud like let's you know. Let's talk about some of the amazing kick returners like a Josh Cribbs, uh, you know, in Cleveland that made a career off of returning kicks and punts. And nobody wants that anymore. That's not the exciting mode of, uh, of football. And they, in fact, have even said um, straight out the NFL came out and said that's one of the most dangerous plays in the NFL. And with their movement towards, you know, being more safety conscious, uh, you know, let's take it out. Forget about trying to change the extra point. Let's just give teams, you know, two points for kicking it through the end zone or kicking it through the uprights during the kickoff, and there you go. Well, we're not going to go over all 13 of these. I just want to hit some of the highlights of them. They're talking also about moving the extra point attempts to the 25-yard line, basically making it a 43-yard try. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's. That's to assume that on every extra point, teams are going to be uh, kicking the ball as opposed to going for, you know, going for two. Um, I, I think what you're going to start to see is it's going to be virtually impossible. It's going to have the reverse effect. It's not. It's going to be virtually impossible for teams to score on a two-point conversion but you're still going to get similar accuracy in the kicks. So I don't know that it's going to achieve the desired effect, but uh, it's an interesting thought. 
Here's another one. Allowing any officials' decisions to be challenged by the coaches, not just specific kinds of plays. In other words, you could you could challenge a penalty if you wanted to. Absolutely. 100% in agreement. Here's one I don't know how they're going to – I don't know how they're going to do this. They're supposedly wanting to protect players from getting their regs, uh, their legs rolled up from on the side. Like offensive linemen do every once in a while. They'll come down and they'll roll up the legs on the side and not just from the back. And if you do that, they're going to call it a penalty. How do you stop that? You know, I, I, I think the – the only thing that they can do at this point is to to call a penalty, but you're going to have similar effect uh, to a, to a lot of the roughing the passer penalties that we're we're seeing anymore, or even um, you know hitting a defenseless receiver. Is that you know a lot of those activities or or actions that take place happen naturally during a play. It's not something that someone's intentionally trying to hurt anyone. It just I can't avoid it. And so I think you're going to start to see the same defensive players are going to continue to throw fits about it. They're going to say you're targeting defensive players uh, and you're not allowing us to make the play. So I I don't know that you can stop it. Um, I I hope that's not one of the uh, rules that gets voted through. Um, But the NFL always – makes it interesting every year. <laughs> Here's one more and I want to I want to throw this one out at you as a former DB, you're probably going to love this one. They want to change pass interference so now it can be called within 1 yard of the line of scrimmage. <laughs> uh, well, I would say if you take a look at most of the uh most of the plays that if that rule were in place, there would have been pass interference last year it would have been very minimal um i you know i don't see that being a a major issue but you know from a again they're they're targeting the defensive side of the ball it's not uh it's it's that rule has nothing to do with improving the safety of the game has nothing to do with improving the quality of the game uh it's it's going to only continue to improve the offensive statistics because it's taking away the defense's ability to to make plays uh, yet again. So I don't think it's going to have a – it's probably, in fact, one of the more likely rules to, to get voted through because the NFL continues to move in that direction. You're going to see over the next several years more and more records being broken because the game is so offensive-friendly at this point. You're not going to see a lot of defensive records being broken because – Defensive players can't make plays as freely as they used to. And, of course, the one that I didn't bring up, because everybody else has brought it up, is they want to start throwing an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on anyone who uses the N-word. I have no idea how they're going to enforce that one either, especially in the middle of a pile down below and trying to figure out who said it. You know, I hope that this... This really turned out to be more of a uh, of a PR move uh, than anything else. I, I don't think that it's something that should be legislated by uh, you know referees on a football field. But I will say that um, you know I, I guess from a social standpoint, I get it. 
Um, but you're, you know, everyone has already thrown out their opinions on it. A lot of this is built into the culture of today. I don't think the NFL is the, the group or organization that needs to take this on and, and try to change the culture. Uh, but I, I understand making this a, making this a focal point of the national discussion today. Uh, it's just not, the, not something you should be regulating on a football field. I I agree. Well, before we go tonight, I want to go over what's going on at the Ohio State High School Basketball Tournament down in Columbus. Of course, today there have been uh, three games so far. Norwalk stayed uh, with just one loss. They beat Dayton Thurgood Marshall today, 72-64, to to move into the championship game against Cleveland Villa Angela. uh, uh, Let's see here. How in the world do they have this set up? <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking at this, this schedule, and it makes absolutely no sense. But anyway, uh, Norwalk won, and then Cleveland Villa Angeles St. Joe in the Division Three game won also over Columbus Bishop Reedy 56-51. to So in the Division Two championship game, you are going to see Norwalk taking on Columbus Bishop Reedy. That's Saturday morning. And then... Uh, tomorrow, we've got one game coming up at 8.30 tonight. It's a Division Four game with New Madison Tri-Village taking on Convoy Crestview. And then tomorrow, there are four more games and then, of course, the four championship games. I do want to make one shout-out here tonight to the Gillette Camels out at Wyoming, the state of Wyoming. They won their 15th state high school boys basketball championship on Saturday night, beating Kelly Walsh in the state championship game, the first under new head coach, Bubba Ladke, and their first since the year 2011. And, Greg, as you know, I used to do play-by-play for Gillette out in Wyoming, and they didn't start winning state championships until I left, and I don't know if that's the reason why or not. (laughs) Well, it certainly didn't hurt. (laughs) That's for sure. They would probably agree with that, too. Hey, Greg, it's been great having you on tonight's show. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And also want to thank our guest tonight, Harrison Malkin, from the College Basketball Insider for Big East Coast Bias from SB Nation, and also Lindsey Patterson, the producer for Moegger and Lance McAllister at ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. You can read her blog at ESPN1530.com. Don't forget, on Monday night, Mark Donahue and I are going to be on Ohio Baseball Weekly at 9 o'clock. We're going to be accepting phone calls around 9.30 during the show. We're only going to be doing it for about 10 or 15 minutes, so we'll be accepting phone calls around 9.30 on Ohio Baseball Weekly. That's at 9 o'clock here at Ultimate Sports Talk, but we'll start doing that at 9.30 to 937-660-4878. We're going to do that on Monday night, so make sure that you join us then. Of course, that tells us that it is time to go. Our thanks to Dr. Mitchell for only being the producer of tonight's show, but also being our guest here this evening on the show. Most of all, our thanks to you for listening. We'll be again next Thursday night at 7 o'clock with another edition of the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. Keep on the tournament, everybody. Until then, talk to you next week at 7. I'm Dave Mitchell. Good night, everybody.